Hi, this is Mark Iskowitz, Editor-at-Large for MM&M, and welcome to the MM&M Podcast. On Thursday of this week, MM&M is due to release the shortlist for the MM&M Awards. That's the list of finalists for gold and silver in multiple categories throughout marketing, media, and agencies. And so we thought it'd be a good time to catch up with this year's Chair of Judges, Elaine Gamble, Atsuka Director of Digital Engagement, not only to debrief about her judging experience and general trends, but also to get her thoughts on the quality of submissions for this year's awards. Elaine, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Mark. And how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Just getting back into the swing of things after being away. So I I almost forgot how to be an editor, but I'm relearning. (laughs) I'm sure it came back to you very quickly. Very exciting to be at this phase in the judging process. And, And I, again, honored to be chair of the jury this year such high caliber in the submissions that have come in and such passionate judges that have really given a very rigorous and comprehensive review of these submissions. And we so appreciate all our judges for that. And we so appreciate your involvement um, in the awards and presiding over the awards. Uh, You and I had the good fortune to to work together on day one. And you also said on a couple other days uh, last week, we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to uh, just uh, share a couple of housekeeping items as we usually do. Be sure to check out the shortlist for the MMNM Awards, which went live Thursday, July 7th. You can peruse all the finalists in the various marketing, media, and agency categories at mmm-online.com. Newsbrief subscribers can follow the link in the breaking news alert that should be in your inbox. And the debut of the shortlist means the awards ceremony is right around the corner. Join us virtually or in person on October 7th. The choice is yours, and you can register for that at mmm-awards.com. Okay, now back to the interview with Elaine. Uh, Let's just start with uh, your general jury room observations. How was your experience? My experience was quite positive, very exciting. It was really great to see a juror balance sort of the objective areas around the quality of the creative, um, the rigor in which the creative was executed, the background that is provided, uh, but then also the measurement areas and and others uh, that we assess as part of the uh, submission. But there's also an emotional component as well. How do I feel looking at this along with the more, I would say, tangible um, types of areas that we assess and having our judges kind of balance both to align on a rating for that submission. It is not an easy process, but one they embrace very well. Yeah, and um, you know, hopefully you found the uh, criteria for the MMN Awards, an interesting one in, in terms of, as you're saying, that it's that balance of the, the data, you know, the hard information that you have, and then um, the way it makes you feel. It's not only creativity uh, that wins you an MMN Award, it's, it's also the effectiveness. So it's, it's really a blending of both that we, we try to capture. For people who haven't been in the jury room before, it's, it's an interesting experience from, from that perspective, for sure. Yeah, it is a very interesting experience. And if I had an observation, I think overall, lots of thought that went into all of the measurement and criteria areas um, for the submissions. It seems though, it's more common for people to look more at the, the background and the research and the re- those types of areas, less on the data part of it. I wonder if that's still an opportunity in general for people to be uh, very forthcoming about the, the data they have generated. Maybe they're being overly modest, um, looking at more traditional metrics, but also how they innovated within data to measure the submission. Uh, sometimes I felt there was more opportunity for some to put greater focus on that. 
That's, uh, that definitely has been um, a sticking point for some of our categories like data and analytics, uh, as you mentioned, and, and clinical trial development, where we're really trying to really showcase their innovation and uh, use this as an opportunity to show off a little bit your award-winning work. You know, the industry thinks of some areas like clinical trials a little bit too much as a utility and not enough, as you said, to showcase their innovation. I would agree. Clinical trials, you know, that's the heart of how we come to market. And it was a little surprising that we didn't have more entries in that area. Actually, very surprising. My thought is in these COVID times where we got a vaccine to market in a relatively uh, short period of time, but still very, very comprehensive and rigorous in clinical trials, it almost just elevated the beauty of clinical trials even further, um, how much we appreciate them and participating in them. And I personally was surprised that we didn't have more entries uh, in that area Although we have the vaccine through the rigor of clinical trials, perhaps there's still an opportunity to look at a clinical trial uh, and appreciate it fully for what it is, either in your recruiting, how you engage people around clinical trials, et cetera, and the data. So perhaps that's an opportunity for next year. Yes, yes, we, we, we certainly have our work cut out there. We will continue to try to encourage and work with the industry to, to view the awards as an opportunity to, to showcase their, their great work. I wanted to also ask you about interesting conversations. Again, I had the good fortune of, of working with you on the first day. We presided over the uh, moderated the, the disease education area, and we had some interesting conversations around diversity. It is such a big deal now. And I feel like people still, you know, are uncomfortable talking about it, but I wanted to make sure people take that extra step to ask themselves, whatever category or, or, or disease population the submission uh, fell into, whether it was having to do with people of color or, or not, do I understand this population? If I'm, if I'm part of it, if I'm not part of it, and just to kind of take the extra time to kind of ask themselves that question, am I voting it, you know, down because I don't understand it? And um, that, that's kind of a muscle that I want you know, jurors to, to exercise more. Absolutely. Um, yes, I really enjoyed uh, sitting in on the sessions. And when you encounter uh, being uncomfortable or is this is really speaking to me? Can I really judge this? I didn't have exactly the experience. I think the takeaway from the judging is that you should lean into your discomfort. Maybe the fact that you're uncomfortable, maybe you should. It gives you more of an opportunity to understand yourself. And through being uncomfortable, sometimes that's when we have the greatest self-reflection, we're most open to learning, and we're most open to either we could lean out or if we embrace it, we're open to being objective because we recognize I'm uncomfortable and that's why I want to make sure I'm fair here. And I guess there are different ways to right. manage discomfort and it surfaced in the, in the judging process. Uh, my observation is that people leaned into it. This isn't something I'm familiar with, but I want to learn more. I want to read more. I want to analyze this uh, submission more so that I am fair and objective in my assessment. That's a great point. Just admitting or acknowledging that, hey, this is a hard conversation, but we, we should have it is, uh, is a start. That's a level in and of itself. Were there any areas on the, on the flip side that, that impressed you as, as being, hey, I, I didn't realize the, the industry was being this innovative? I think a number of, of areas have impressed me, but I think the three that would stand out, uh, areas around patient centricity, you, the authenticity you could see in some of the submissions around that. 
as opposed to, yeah, we want to appear that way. We want the person to really feel it. I think we just took it to a next level. I think the second area around mental health and people talking about it more, I think is a a function of the times and something that will be sustained. I think COVID for some people continued kind of their progressiveness around discussing it. For some people, it might've been the first time they said, wait, I wanna talk about this openly. And we as an industry partnered with them to do that and to have those physician relationships, whether you feel you don't feel like yourself, whether you feel it's depression and partial response, and I want more help, or I just want to take a first step in having a conversation that could help inform me on what my needs are. Um, I believe we as an industry really partnered to help, partnered well to help patients do that. And you saw that in this process as well. And I think the third is just digital transformation out of necessity, Uh, digital alternatives during COVID. But again, it took us to the next level that will continue afterwards. Also part of uh, the submissions in this process. Yeah, it was interesting to mention uh, that that COVID really had an impact on those big catalysts, uh, whether it was digital transformation or or patient centricity uh, or mental health. And and we did did see that reflected uh, in a number of the uh, categories, which was, was nice to see. Talk a little bit about, if you will, about the diversification of healthcare and how uh, you know, digital therapeutics are, are, are becoming more mainstream um, and people are um, uh, across industries, not just health, but are, are embracing health. Yeah, absolutely. I think embracing health in a variety of ways via the medication, to your point, digital health, digital therapeutics and solutions either related to uh, adherence or or disease management or others, definitely an increase um, in that area. Telehealth, also an increase in that area as well. And I think the need to work harder to ensure one is making a connection with the patient in the telehealth environment is an opportunity for our physicians and also an opportunity for our patients to lean into. Um, But I think those are three key areas that will continue and people realize they have different options and tools for managing their health that started during that period. And that will continue as we emerge from the pandemic. Any other kind of uh, observations that you wanted to mention uh, from your day in the jury room? As you said, uh, you know, kind of a a different type of experience, but, you know, will, will you do your job differently? You think, you know, having gotten that kind of bird's eye view into what the rest of the industry is working on or is there anything that you might take back with you to to the office, so to speak? What I would take back to the office is that we definitely had a range and diversity in jurors in terms of their function. So, and I think that put a lot of beauty to to the process. And one of the benefits we realize in the judging from that is you might have someone who's most, whose focus is say data or they work at a data organization they still can be very creative and look at those areas through a data lens. So people don't stay in their lanes while their expertise may be one specific area, let's say data or other or digital, uh, et cetera. They're able to contribute that expertise in evaluating a submission along a variety of dimensions, but in their unique way. And that's what I thought a lot of the beauty of this process was the diversity in the judges and the diversity and discipline that people had uh, in this process was truly wonderful. Great, yeah. And uh, 
we, we really, again, enjoyed working with you and uh, really appreciated the opportunity. And you have a certain way of talking about pharmaceutical marketing in a way that um, I haven't heard before in terms of the beauty of connecting with various audiences uh, that I really appreciate. And I think really came through, you know, when you addressed the jurors, it gave people a spark and a new appreciation, you know, for this business that they, that they work in, you know, and, and the opportunity that it presents to really have an impact on people's lives. I know you feel this way too, about the, how the past year really, it was isolating in a sense, but it was also increase that sense of community. Your point, you know, to me earlier was that that's something that marketers can bring forward in their work is that opportunity to have a greater sense of community um, through digital marketing. Absolutely. The greater sense of community, a greater sense of connectedness, a greater sense of what unites us, but how we're different too, and embracing that. I believe the times we're in have sort of put more of a spotlight on that as a positive, how we're different used to be thought of as, well, we're really not that different, but I think the times are, it's okay if we're, we're really different. And that also is part of the beauty of, of the uh, process, the judging process. Regarding the industry, to your point there, yeah, I believe we're an industry that's always brought so much value in transforming lives, but perhaps underappreciated in the public, or they just zone in on one part of it, or I went to get that drug and you know it had this cost, maybe not knowing there was something that would have helped you afford the medication. Maybe we needed to do more to raise awareness. But I think that it definitely helped our industry to be viewed and appreciated for the beauty that we've always had, uh, as opposed to transforming us, but creating awareness of the value we've always brought and how we've always partnered with the patient and the doctor around optimal care. And whether that is the pill, whether it's, that digital, whether it's digital therapeutics, whether it's disease state information, digital engagement and options um, to be connected to information or to one another or to have community with one another. We're an industry that has embraced that opportunity well and will continue to do so uh, as we emerge from the pandemic. And these submissions really showcase the beauty of how well we've done that. For some submissions, it was such a high caliber. So if you did not win you know, for your category, and, and I know this could sound like, yeah, yeah, uh, of course she said that, but it's true. It was an exceptionally high caliber of submissions this year. So if you did not win, that doesn't mean you were not considered to be among the best in submissions. It just meant it was just the year we've had. It's been like no other. And we hope you will consider entering again next year. And, and you mentioned one, one final point, Elaine, that was reputation. Uh, that was the other big catalyst, industry catalyst that I felt was really impacted, obviously, by COVID. Um, and it's a great point, you know, that you saw that, I think, reflected in, in the jurors and, and that, that sort of more, a little bit more, more swagger, a little more pride in what we do and the, and the good, good work that, that they've always, the industry has always done, but perhaps, you know, they're getting the recognition now more. That was nice to see you too. Absolutely. And I think that some of the areas, if, if there's one additional reflection I have again, I hope some areas will appreciate themselves a bit more and uh, submit next year, like in the clinical trials area. Because again, I was surprised it had so few entrants given the time that we're in. And you might, and what you might feel is just another day of work and I just have to do it, could be perceived completely differently by someone else who could look at it as transformative. 
So I urge people across categories not to underestimate the value of your contributions and allow others to appreciate what you brought to the table. Absolutely. And um, I think there will be a lot of best practices in that area submitted in next year's awards. You know, perhaps it didn't get in this year, but I, you know, I have to think, I want to think, you know, that, that that work is out there. But we, and I should mention, we did have a record-breaking year this year. I want to make it seem like uh, we didn't get our fair share of entries this year. We did. The program pushed the envelope in terms of total entries. I would also add that, and again, a precedented number, but I also saw unprecedented boldness in some of the categories as well, either how people were speaking out about what they thought was an injustice and I matter, or speaking out uh, healthcare, and this is how this changed my life. And how openly they were talking about it, how they were appearing in the ads. It's an unprecedented level of authenticity in the submissions as well, versus in the past, we've seen authenticity. We might've felt it was there, the undercurrent. I think the difference this year, it was right in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if some of that, again, is a function of the times, uh, also influencing how people push the envelope but it was impressive to see and also very engaging for our judges as they were evaluating these submissions. Yeah, uh, we saw uh, kind of a pivot, sorry to use that word, Uh, that was the official word of 2020, a pivot away from kind of like the highly produced patient videos, more toward pharma companies being willing to send camera equipment to patients and, and shoot video on Zoom. You know, we saw a lot more animation work in the DTC area, you know, for obvious reasons, for practical reasons, because we couldn't have those big three or four camera shoots uh, and, and drugs that launched during that time had to, you know, make do with other arrangements. In some respects, the animation, while it might have been a function of the times, if it's a sensitive topic or highly emotional or something that the person just has difficulty discussing, animation can lighten it. It can bring you the message, it can empower you, but in a manner such that you will lean into it more and embrace the message more readily than if it were real people. You might actually feel a little more intimidated. So animation brings a certain kind of beauty and authenticity in the lightness with which it can bring a very uh, impactful and serious message. So yeah, it was a function of the times, but I also think it had that benefit as well, delivering difficult messages in a way where people could more easily consume it. Right, yeah, one of the, one of the positive byproducts. Absolutely. Of, of, the, of the pandemic experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, and we're talking a lot about, about remote and digital engagement, but we hope to see everybody in, in October in person, you know, to the extent that, that you feel comfortable at our awards ceremony in October. Looking forward to returning to our venue in Lower Manhattan for that, but there will be a hybrid option uh, available as well. And I want to thank you, Elaine, for for joining us for this uh, awards wrap-up. Appreciate it. Yes, I hope most of you will join us in person. And uh, it's been my pleasure. I'm truly honored to have been chair of the awards jury. So thank you. The privilege and honor is all ours, and I look forward to working with you uh, more going forward. Thank you, Mark. I'm going to call it there. Um, If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please give it a like. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Help others discover the show. For Elaine Gamble, this has been Mark Iskowitz uh, signing off. We'll see you next time, everybody, on the MMNM Podcast. Take care. Take care, everybody.